So, you want to be fat friends? That's my little badass. God forbid we have real emotion in this show. I need to be singing tonight. It's This Is Us, Season 1. Welcome to the Center Cut. I'm Fernando. Fernando? Who the hell is Fernando? Well, I'm Michael. It's my season two personality. Ah. I'm kind of like Fabio, but cooler. Like flowing long bond hair and I never wear a shirt and I'm ripped. All right. I'm going to stick with Michael. Yeah. So this is season two. For those of you who are coming at us for the first time, happy to have you. If you're an oldie but goodie, well, thanks for being here again. Yes. Remember, I'm now Fernando. You can actually call me Dave. So today we are covering This Is Us. We watched the first episode and the last episode only of season one. We're going to recap the ends. We have some questions from Reddit and abroad to help us contextualize the middle. And we're going to try to figure it out. Yeah. So This Is Us season one came out in late 2016, September of 2016. It got a 92 on Rotten Tomatoes at the time. The show now has a 93 overall. It's been a high performer since the beginning and continued to be. Actually, in season one, they averaged just under 10 million viewers for each episode a night, according to Nielsen ratings. Quite a bit of interest in and quite a few people watching this. Everyone loved it. I went in expecting to hate this. And I got to say, I loved it. Now, what you may not know about me is that I am a low-key sucker for the romance genre. And I don't mean like those books at the grocery store that old ladies twiddle their dried-up clits to. I'm talking like well-written, well-acted drama of the heart. Also, that's not a well-kept secret. Well, maybe, but I... I'm a man of emotion. Like I give into that shit, whether it's anger, obviously, sadness, happiness. I will ride that roller coaster with my arms up all the way, just oscillating up and down. I don't care if it makes you or anybody else think I'm lame. I liked these two episodes, especially the pilot. Sue me. So I also went into the show thinking I was going to hate it and was vindicated when I did. (laughs) Do you hate it because it's of its genre or do you you just think it's a bad piece of television? It's well done. And I, I'll agree with you. I liked the first episode, the pilot episode, much better than the season one finale. But I think minus a few points in the episodes that we watched, it, it felt very predictable to me. I mean, both episodes had fucking twists. What twists? I don't know about twists. You don't think there's a twist in the first and last episode? The first one for sure. The last one, meh. I know what part you're talking about. I, I don't know if I'd call it a twist. Okay, we'll talk about it when we get there. It's a twist. It's not Obviously, it's not as overarchingly great as the twist in the first episode, but yeah. it's still a twist. It's but, still not what you... It averted what you were thinking. Yeah, I, I just felt like it was... It, it falls in line with what you expect kind of romance to be with some extra stuff in there. Like, I can understand why people like it. I also just, I've never enjoyed, like you, watching, well, I could just end the sentence right there, right? <laughs> I've never enjoyed watching things that purposefully make me feel sad or scared. That's why I don't enjoy scary movies a whole lot. I just don't 
understand the draw because sometimes it feels good to get wet stuff out of your body like that's what our body is made to get wet stuff out i i expel my wet stuff in different ways all right well (laughs) that's fair (laughs) it does star mostly especially in the episodes we watched mandy moore and milo ventamilla nailed it Nailed it. So it also stars Justin Hartley, Chrissy Metz, and Sterling K. Brown, among others. But Milo and Mandy are the the two big players in the two episodes that we watched for sure. Definitely. But we have a lot of ground to cover as usual. So So I think we should just get into it. Let's do it. So the first episode, we start off with a Wikipedia sourced fact that the average human shares their birthday with 18 million people. I'm guessing they mean living humans, but also Wikipedia to start your show. Credible. I like it. Do you call it Wikipedia? Wikipedia. 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 All right. Well, whatever you call it, it's there. Mm-hmm. And we hear some sweet Sufjan Stevens and a man butt. Yeah, this is an important part in all of the shows that we've watched that we know are made for women is in the first minute we see a man ass. Well, that was the Magic Mike, our first episode of season one. It also cracked off with a man ass. We're we're onto something. Yeah, man ass. We're on it. So Mandy Moore is pregnant and dances for Milo, who is naked, save a Steelers terrible towel. And it's his birthday. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a small thing here, but there's a box marked family photos 75 to 79, which from what we know at the end of the episode is a tricky dick move. Wow. You saw that, huh? Mm -hmm. I didn't see that. Mm -hmm. Yep. So next we meet Kate. She's looking at her 36th birthday cake in the fridge. It's a future cake. And all the bad foods are labeled as such because she has an eating problem and is very overweight. Mm-hmm. Next, we meet. Is that all right for me to. Because mm-hmm, she's fat? Why wouldn't it be? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we meet Randall next. He is a black man, which is important later. Mm-hmm. I'm not just trying to. <laughs> And his employees come in to wish him happy birthday as he is a finance boss with a fancy office. Yeah, fancy, fancy on the corner office. Yep. Now, the fourth 36-year-old we meet is Kevin. He's an actor in a show called The Manny, as evidenced by the poster above his bed. And there are two bimbos dancing by his bed, but he is uninterested. Yeah. Mandy Moore and Milo are going to be having triplets, but not before he tries to put something else inside her, if you know what I'm saying. A fourth. Randall gets news that a PI he hired has found someone. I guessed it was his dad. I was correct. We find that out later. Mm. Back to Kate again. This kind of jumps all over the place with these characters. Yeah, used to uh, it. Kate is scared to get on the scale. She's naked except her underwear. Now, I go full nude. So as a fat but not that fat man, when I do my twice a year crash diet to maintain my fatness, got to go naked. Like you have you have to be the least amount of weight that you are. So even like even my pair of boxer shorts that weighs like fucking four ounces. So I have to have an accurate reading. Got to go full nude. Do you also do a colonoscopy prep the night before or Uh, I just once. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it as a full time gig, but Uh yeah, that's only for the weekly weigh ins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, she fucking puts her toes on the scale like an idiot and falls backward, ends up twisting her ankle. I don't feel bad. Like, it was a pitiful attempt. No. Yeah, it was It was supposed to be a sad moment, but it was like, well, just step on there with authority. <laughs> 
So Mandy, who's Rebecca, by the way, she has her water break. And then Kevin ruins the sexy mood with the bimbos by lamenting about how seeing the Challenger space shuttle explosion when he was in second grade has shaped his life. Morton Thai call those motherfuckers. What? That's the company that produced the rocket that exploded on the Challenger. Okay. It's Morton Thai call. <laughs> they actually split shortly after Thai call still produces rockets. Morton is the company that produces the salt. I hate you. So Kevin and Kate are twin brother and sister. What's that called when you're twins, but you don't look the same? Mm-hmm. Not identical. Whatever it is, they're that. I think it's like paternal or maternal. I don't know. One of those two. Fraternal? Mm, no. no, that's what you do if you have no friends and you go to college. No. <laughs> Silly boy. <laughs> There's a nice, well-written scene between the two of them here, and Kate vows to lose the weight. Though the weight of being mid-30s is a whole other thing. I hear you, girl. Hell yeah. Next, we meet Dr. K, who is going to be helping with Rebecca's birthing process due to her her real doctor's appendix bursting. He's played by the guy who plays Hearst in Deadwood in Tusk in House of Cards. And he says the word vaginas on a network TV show. So it, it's piqued my interest. I'm starting to get into this. Yep. He won an Emmy for his performance here. And I get it. Like, I would push a bowling ball through my pee hole if you told me to. <laughs> We get to see a live taping of The Manny. A dream, really. Uh, but Kevin's too cerebral for this schlock. And the director is Dave's friend slash manager from the excellent FX show, Dave, which if you haven't watched it, please watch it. Dave is the Jewish successful version of me as a rapper. My name's Fernando. Just watch the show. No, no, not you. The show, Dave. Oh, I understand. Randall and his wife, Beth, watched their two daughters play soccer to varying degrees of success. And we learn Randall's mom died during childbirth and his father left him at a fire station which implies his cracked out mama gave birth in an alley like a stray dog. And I'm kind of here for it. Yeah, that uh, that that storyline is interesting to me. Sad, but interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Kate throws out all her junk food and steals a passerby's dog shit to taint it all so she doesn't get the urge to pull it back out. There was a little bit of me that thought she was going to pull something out after putting in the dog shit and then I was going to turn it right off. <laughs> but really, though, what's with the plastic bag? dog crap people like when my wife had a dog i just let him shit all over our backyard i'm talking like mountains of canine excrement it worked the backyard smelled bad but whatever yeah 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 yeah. but you don't live in a city where you need to walk the dog and and you don't have a lot of you know yard space to let them go in the yard you have a shit in someone else's yard yeah but then you pick that up to be a courteous person you don't have to pick it up is what I'm saying. Actually, there are some laws saying you do. No, there may be like city bylaws. Yeah. I mean, there's not a federal poop law, but yeah, if it's not a federal law, I don't have to follow it. That's <sighs> that's, what, that's all I'm saying. Anyway, You're the worst at the fat person emotional support meeting. Kate meets Toby. Uh, his line about being fatter than the other women after he got caught laughing made me laugh out loud the first time I watched it. Yes, he was very funny. He was great. Definitely a fan of, of Toby. and But also, to that lady's point that he was laughing at, I have also eaten an entire pizza and then jerked off to a picture of Alanis Morissette. I couldn't look at myself in the mirror for like a fucking month. Hmm. I'm not surprised by that at all. Jack gives a pseudo-rousing speech about how the birth is going to be fine, despite the doc's insistence that they talk about the complications. I don't know if I like Jack. Yeah, I already didn't like him because he talks out of the side of his mouth like Sylvester Stallone. Use your entire mouth. It's there for a reason. Like, I know we're supposed to like him, but sometimes it's like, all right, c- come on, dude. Like, again, you we? love your wife. You love your kids. Like, yeah, are we supposed, supposed to like, like him? him? I don't know. I think so. I feel like you're kind of supposed to like him, but kind of get a little tinge of dislike for him as well. I, I don't think he's supposed to just be the the perfect person. I think that he is purposefully written in a way that 
we're supposed to not agree with all the decisions that he makes. Well, definitely by the end of the season, but I think in the first episode we are supposed to. But at, at any rate, though, I think all of the characters are played that way, though. Like we're mm-hmm. like that's the whole point is all of these people are real people who mm-hmm. are they're going to have some flaws. Yeah, I felt Jack had more of them. Okay. By the end of the season, I definitely agree. In this first episode, I don't think we're supposed to, but I mean, I don't like them here, so whatever. The surgery room looks like it's from 1960s Cuba or something. It's so crappy looking, which should have clued me in on the final twist, but mm-hmm. it didn't. Yeah, I was completely caught off guard by that, and I shouldn't have been. Randall plays hooky to go meet his real dad, played by Elliot's hacker friend Leslie from Mr. Robot. Anybody who pays $143,000 for a vehicle is an automatic douchebag, unless it doubles as their home or cures AIDS. So that's his flaw. I disagree. Really? Why Why should someone feel bad about buying a nice car because you can't? Because you don't need to. There's no need to pay that much money for a car. Okay. It's just a waste of money. You're just we wasting money. We don't need to have a podcast. But we're not. I mean, we're not really spending that much well, money on I it. I know, though. but it's something we wanted to do. So we did it, right? Yeah, but you're not wasting money that could be used for good shit. Mm. If he has enough money to also do good shit and he strikes me as the kind of person who would, then why not also get yourself a nice car? Because you just don't need it. It's unnecessary. There's nothing that that $143,000 vehicle that like a fucking $50,000 vehicle could do. He literally only buys it just for the status of it. Like that's that he like shoves it in his face. Like I could buy this car. Like to me, that screams douchebag. And if you agree with that, well, then you are also a douchebag. So that's fine. I think that in the industry that he is in, in the finance world, it might be important to show his wealth in order to make other people trust the fact that he can help them with their wealth. You could still do that with like a fucking Tesla and that costs way less money. Tesla could suck my dick. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking take that Elon Musk. Now he mentions that he was left with a crap filled diaper at the fire station. Either that is an embellishment on his part or his birthday is not the same as his brother and sister. Like we're to believe get that meconium bullshit out of here. Randall. Why you can't have a crap filled diaper the same day as your birthday and unless it's like fucking 20 hours later get out of here really not possible interesting you learn something new every day yeah he delivers some vitriol to his father and his dad asks him to come in straight faced and he does it's funny and heartbreaking at the same time like when you see somebody with white shoes walking through my backyard it's it's hard mm-hmm. makes sense now randall says screw you but then ends up inviting him to meet his grandchildren it's it's hard watching this you feel bad for randall but you also get why Randall is acting the way that he is. Yeah, it feels like he came here to resolve something, but it's not resolving the way he thought it would resolve. So he like doesn't know what to do next. Yeah. So he like keeps on just taking these 90 degree turns just to try and figure <laughs> out how the fuck to resolve this situation that he's put himself in. Yeah. So next, Alan Thicke has a cameo on The Manny. Thank God. Playing Kevin's dad. The Manny really needed to get spruced up with Alan Thicke. Kevin is still unfulfilled. He freaks out, breaks a fake baby, and quits. Mm -hmm. William meets his grandkids. It's emotional for Randall, obviously. Kate and Toby were on a date. It went well. He tries to get a handy and asks her if she wants to know how many calories are in a sausage. I love this guy. This guy is the best. I loved, I loved all of the interactions with Toby. He's my favorite character. Uh, they're about to start getting hot and heavy when Kevin stumbles in, and we see a clip of Mario Lopez on E! or some other shitty show, queuing up Kevin's viral video. And funny story, we were originally going to cover the new Saved by the Bell reboot for our season two premiere here. I even suffered through the first episode, but then found out Peacock makes you pay to see the rest like a goddamn stripper. But I, no, for one... No, no, no. You are lying 
about this. What, what am I lying about? Michael what I just said is true. To put his credit card information in to get the seven day free trial to watch the episode and then cancel before he even got charged. So it was not that you would have had to have paid $7.99. It's the fact that you would have had to get something for free, but take the time to put your credit card information into the screen. Well, A, that's a lot of work. B, if I did cancel, then I would have to pay down the line. So I still would end up having to pay. Screw you, Peacock. Suck my ass. What are you talking about? If I sign up and then I cancel before the free trial's over, the next time I want to go watch Peacock, I have to pay. Well, yeah. I don't get another free trial. You would have saw Saved by the Bell. I'm just saying don't blame the $7.99. Like, don't don't blame the fact that we didn't cover Saved by the Bell on the $7.99. It was not the $7.99. It was your laziness. No, it's indirectly still the $7.99. You're wrong. Anyway, back at the hospital, we get the scene that won the doc the Emmy. He tells Jack that they lost the third baby, and I won't do the scene justice, but they sit and talk. He mentions how he lost his first child and how Jack can still bring three babies home, metaphorically, of course. I can't make anything funny out of that. Ashley and I had a tough delivery with Frank. She labored for 17 hours and ended up having to have an emergency C-section. She was strong, so strong throughout all of it, and I can only dream of sacrificing what she did, so I won't betray that. Ashley, if you're listening, you're amazing. God, what the fuck has this show done to me? Can we watch Human Centipede 2 or something? I had some funny dead baby jokes and now I can't make. Thanks. <laughs> but can we watch Human Centipede 2? That's a real question. Oh, well, of course. Okay, cool. So more fun stuff. William, Randall's dad, is dying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the song Put Your Bags Down by Adam Cohen starts playing. And I swear, that opening melody sounds like Where Is My Mind by the Pixies, which is a far better and iconic song. And then this shitty ass song comes in. Screw this song. Anyway, so we get the final twist of the episode when we find out that all of the scenes with Becca and Jack are in 1980, not present time like all the other scenes. And Randall was dropped at the hospital that day and adopted by them to fill the void of the third baby. And God damn, did it blow my mind. Yeah, this was quite a twist that I did not see coming. That was that was pretty crazy. And the song that plays here, Watch Me by I'm going to butcher, but Lobby Sifri. It's awesome. I I have no clue how I've never heard it before. It's like a song from like the 70s, but I like it anyway. Kevin, Kate, and Randall are all Jack and Becca's kids, and that's how they're all connected. Whoa. Yeah, I, this, I mean, honestly, I, I really mean this. This was one of the better pilot episodes I've seen in a while. Like, you learn so much about all of the characters in just this one episode, and it's so tightly written. Like, kudos to the writers, man. I just, I really liked it. Yeah, it jumps around a lot, but it's really clean in the way it jumps. You you know where you're at, even though it's jumping around. The same thing happens in the in the final episode, even, even more so, I think that they really play fast and loose with the time periods, but you always kind of know where you're at. They do a good job of helping to to know exactly where you're at with different outfits, things like that. But I liked this episode a lot and was expecting the final episode to be just as good, if not better. And I think the reason why I really dislike the show is just because the the la- final episode of the season really let me down. Okay, that's fair. I agree with you that the pilot is better than the finale. We'll talk about the finale as we go, but I, I can see your point. I definitely can see your point. Boobies. Now I have your attention. The Three Little Pigs podcast wants to ask you three very important questions. Do you like true crime stories and awful historic moments? Do you like cults and conspiracy theories? Do you like random as shit topics that generally have no connecting theme between them? Well, the Three Little Pigs podcast is for you then. 
Find them wherever you get your podcast normally. Goodbye. We ready for, for round two? I'm ready. All right, let's get into it. So there are three main time periods that we are talking about in this final episode. One of them is just a short little tidbit, so we won't really talk a whole lot about that. But two major ones were the past past and the future past. So the past past is before Jack and Rebecca have even met yet. It is like their their story of how they met and what they were like in their, you know, late or early 20s, I suppose. Then we have the future past, which is still in the past comparative to all of the kids and a lot of what we saw in the first episode. But it is when they are all teenagers and it mainly follows Jack and Rebecca and how they are parents and how their relationship is affected by a lot of the things going on around them. So it jumps pretty significantly back and forth between those, the, the future past and the past past. So keep up with me. Here we go. So I using context clues, I nailed down the date of the, the past past scenes. The future past is a date range we can go with, but yeah. the past past scenes take place in 1972 because Jack is 28 and we learned that he's turning 36 when he's giving birth to the kids in 1980. That makes sense. And the future past scenes are taking place in the range of five years between 1993 and 1997. So it's one of those years between 93 and 97. I don't really have a way to nail it down further than that. But obviously, that still gives us a pretty decent idea of where we are. And that is because Becca mentions that the kids are teenagers. So, you know, I'm guessing between yeah. 13 and 17. Yep. Uh, and Based on the, the math, that'd be 93 and 97. Uh, I'll trust your math on that. I'm hesitant, but I'll trust it. <laughs> All right. That's what we have. So we have the past past in 1972 and the future past sometime mid-90s. Yes. Awesome. We start off in the future past and Jack is drinking and driving. Bad move. I'm already mad at him. Yeah. And if you're going to drive hours away and drink, don't just throw your empty cans in the back seat like a rube. Mm -hmm. Like a rube. So he arrives at a theater. That's all we know. Now we're in the past past. And the way that we know we're in the past past is because he no longer has a beard. So he looks a little younger, but without the beard, you just that that is the show's way of telling you you are in the past. So he is fixing an old lady's car. She tries to set him up with a girl. He reluctantly agrees. Then we see Rebecca's story, which is separate from his at this point. She's at lunch with a few girlfriends. She's just cool with being sing single right now because she's focusing on her music career. She just sings at open mics and just sent a demo to Electra Records. Yeah. So in the first scene with Jack and the lady there, I, I found it funny because now once I was able to figure out and place that it was 1972, what the hell is so special about a five-year-old car, a 1967 Chevelle? Like, it's a five-year-old car. Imagine if I was like, you got to keep this 2015 Subaru Crosstrek, bruh. Like, what? That's lame. That's lame. You don't talk about a five-year-old car like that. It's still a beautiful car. Ah, whatever. So now we're back in the future past. Jack is at the theater and gets a drink. We see in now we see Rebecca in the future past who is all dressed to the nines. She's apparently going to be singing at this theater. So he is there to see her. And some dude named Ben in the band tries to kiss her. 
And she's like, whoa, what the fuck, man? And storms out. I hate this because it's in a jazz club. Like people who go to clubs to sit and watch people play jazz are scumbags. Like, honestly, how smug can you get? No, like buying an expensive car. Seriously. Gross. So we're back in the past past. Now, Jack and his friend, Daryl, are looking at a for sale auto shop. They are both trying to save up to purchase it. Their dream is to own this auto shop. Jack, at this point, we saw that he was, he had an interaction with his father and his father is a giant D-bag. So it seems like his father is mean to both him and his mother. So the whole reason he wants to be successful is to just help his mother get out of that house and for him to get out of the house as well. Mm -hmm. So they decide they need to step up their game a little bit. So they're going to go gamble their cash away at a poker game or hopefully (laughs) gamble to make more money at a poker game. But we all know where that's going. Mm -hmm. So we're back in the future past. Jack goes looking for Rebecca in the theater, makes his way backstage, finds Ben confronts him a little bit at this point he doesn't know that he tried to kiss her though and then ben kind of hints at it a little bit and jack drunk at this point and just running on adrenaline just fucking beats the shit out of this dude (laughs) yep becca comes in at this point stops jack and says she's leaving to drive him home as she's giving up her opportunity to sing at this fancy jazz club to bring jack home the drunkard who cannot drive at this point Well, he probably thinks he can, but she knows better. Mm -hmm. So now we're back in the past past. I hope you guys are keeping up. Becca arrives home and gets a letter. So she arrives back at her apartment. She has a letter from Electra Records. They weren't giant fans of her demo. So she calls her friend from the previous lunch and basically meaning I need a boyfriend. Fun fact about me. I love mail, like getting mail like she got. Oh, that would make my day. That's it. That's all I want to say. I love mail. I was trying this new season two <laughs> thing where I'm not surprised by anything you say. And honestly, I'm not surprised by that. But we need to stop. You're the worst. No one likes getting mail. <laughs> Why do you like getting mail? Because it's just a surprise in your hands. Of bills you and, be. and shitty ads? Political shit? Well, some, most of the time. Yeah, but most of the time. But, that, but if it's in an envelope and it's sealed... It's just like a mini surprise. Like you just don't know what could be on the other end of that. No, unless it's like around my birthday or it's Christmas. I know what's in there and it's all garbage. Well, I, I guess I'm more optimistic in this well, sense. Well, send me some nice mail and then maybe I'll change my tune. <laughs> <laughs> so so we cut back to Jack, who is still in the past past now, beardless. And he takes out all his money out of the little, little basket that he had in under his bed. And he is heading to this poker game behind a shady bar called Ray's. He gets in there. He is able to win the first hand with four queens, which in five card stud is just unreal. I I, I gotta I, I have to say some stuff here because I am a poker aficionado and I hate not shit surprised. like this. Like, first of all, who the hell plays five card draw and not hold them? Like I'll let it slide because it's the seventies. But come on, here's the more important thing. You can't play five card draw with six people. There's not enough cards. They couldn't even play the game that they were playing with the amount of people that were there. It's impossible. What are you talking about? Six people playing a game of five card draw. If everybody draws fucking five cards, there's not enough cards. You can only play four to five people in five card draw. Hmm. That's it. That's all you can do. That's if so, everyone takes five cards and yeah, every. You have to assume that. You have to assume that. 
I don't know. If look it up. You look it up. You can't play with six people. The max amount of people you can play with is Maybe five. they were playing with like two decks, like someone who doesn't have enough Uno cards. Well, <laughs> well, that would explain <laughs> that would explain everything because that would also explain how this happened the way that it did. How the first listen, hand he got four queens and the other dude had a fucking full house, tens over five. Yeah, listen, the probability of getting a full house in five card draw is 0.144%. The probability of getting four of a kind in five card draw is 0.024%. Those are just alone. Those are the probabilities. I didn't even, I can't even factor what it would be for both things to happen in one hand. That's fucking ridiculous. Come on. In the first hand, too. Give me a break. Yeah. Give me a break. This was, this was bananas to me. So, so Jack wins the hand and just kind of like, uh, dusts off his hands and says, okay, boys, goodbye. And then leaves. So Ray is not happy that Jack is just going to up and leave after one hand, not giving him a chance to get his money back. So as they're leaving, they're outside. They're super excited about the fact that they just won a shit ton of money. And a few Ray's goons come out and just beat the shit out of them and steal all their money. I don't feel bad at all. Get in your fucking car, drive away, and laugh it up somewhere else. Rookie fucking move. Yeah, why would you just hang out in, like, right there? It's just like, as soon as that door closed, they should have sprinted to their car. Book it to your car. Just get out of there. Get the fuck out of there. But also, as soon as he said they were going to gamble their money at a poker game, we all knew this was going to happen. Something was going to happen, and they weren't going to have the money anymore. Either they were going to lose it all, or they were going to succeed, and someone was going to steal it. 100%. Something was going to happen. So... After all of that, we arrive back in the future past. Becca and Jack have arrived home after a long, quiet car ride from the jazz place. They get into a giant fight. Essentially, Becca, from from what I can gather, th- this is like a 10-minute fight in this freaking show. They're just screaming at each other, screaming over each other. So there's like two lines of dialogue going at the same time. Hard to keep up with. But basically what I gathered from it is that Becca feels like she doesn't have a life anymore. She's just a mom and that's it. And Jack feels like he's busting his ass all the time to provide for the family and she doesn't appreciate it. This scene slash fight is the best part of the episode. This is this saves the whole episode for me and and why I still like both ends. This is a top three TV slash movie fight that most resembles Ashley and I when we fight (laughs) Tony and Carmela from the Whitecaps episode of The Sopranos. Adam Driver and ScarJo for Marriage Story in this. We take no prisoners when we fight. Not physically, of course, but we're like fucking verbal lumberjacks and the other person is a tree just fucking whacking away. Like, arr, arr, timber! Like, I just... This felt so real to me. Like, un, unlike any other fight scenes that you see, it's just so ugly and raw. And Mandy Moore in particular was excellent here. I, I really felt all of her emotion. It felt so real. And... Listen, I get the finale was not as good as the pilot, but but this fight was enough to save it for me. I just I like seeing other people destroying their significant other, too. You know, <laughs> like it gives me hope that maybe when Ashley and I fly off the handle and beat each other up with words that even though it's unhealthy, somebody could be secretly filming us Truman Show style and then pay us tons of money because we're a sideshow. Yeah, that's all. It just makes me feel real good. And then you have to go stay at Miguel's. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sad. Yeah. Uh, I will agree that it was a good fight. It was it was well done. The two of them did a very good job acting and it was well written. So but they both lose their minds for a while. And at the end of it, when things start to at least die down a little bit, she finally asks what he loves about her, not what he's concocted in his brain that he loved about her, you know, 15 years ago. But what do you love about me right now? 
and he doesn't have an answer for her and she goes to bed. Yeah, it's pretty rough. Um, just like the rest of the fight. It's it's just rough. You just you both of them make valid points. I mean, at least from what we see, I, we're just assuming they're both being honest. I we don't we didn't see the middle. So it's just it's tough. This is what's hard about relationships. This is why there's so many divorces. Like it's hard. It's hard being two people and forming a coalition. People want different things. Mm-hmm. It's hard, man. Yeah, it's tough stuff. But now we're in the past past and Becca is getting ready for her date. And Jack is as well. So it's kind of a simultaneous thing happening for the two of them. Back in the future again, Becca wakes up the next morning. Jack slept on the couch. They both feel pretty bad about it, but she makes a valid point of regardless of how bad we feel about what we said last night, we said it and it can't be taken back because it's how we feel. Mm -hmm. So she thinks that they should have some time apart. So Jack should go stay with Miguel for a while while they can just kind of work through this. I was workshopping an R&B singer and Miguel joke here, but I couldn't adorn the podcast with such tomfoolery. Oh, really? Is that an is that a new thing for season two? Um, no, I actually still made the joke because his biggest song is called Adorn. But you're the worst. Moving on. <laughs> the literal worst. So <laughs> we're back in the past past. Becca arrives at a restaurant uh, for her blind date. She beat whoever she is meeting there. So she sits down at the table, makes a comment, which I found was a little much of like, this guy better show up. I could be in an open mic right now. It's like, okay, shut up. We (laughs) get it. Cool. We cut to Jack now still in the past past here at this point. Jack is outside of Ray's and talking with his buddy here. They plan on stealing money from Ray's now from the actual bar. It's an old bartender. So their plan is when he starts to get the money ready for the closing his friend will call into the bar to get him to walk away from the cash register, and he's going to steal all the money out of the cash register and probably go out in the parking lot and jump for joy and fuck around for a few more minutes and get beat up. But the plan is to steal the money from from the bar to get back at Ray for taking their money. Here, let me tell you the plan is if you're a jabroni who's never heard the plan before and don't even know what you're gonna, about to do, but just so the audience can be in on it. I fucking hate it. It's so stupid and trophy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like he wouldn't tell them the plan until they were in the freaking party. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> this is the twist I think you were talking about is that Becca's date arrives and it is not Jack. It's another dude. These bastards tricked us again. Yeah, they yes. were lining us up like it was going to be the two of them. And they even had Jack while he was sitting in the bar waiting for the bartender to start getting the the till ready for closing. They had him look at a note that he had written down with like the time and place he was going to meet this girl. And then he says, oh, shit, like, oh, I forgot that was supposed to be tonight. Oh, well. And then we see Becca sitting at the table without a date. And we're like, oh, shit, he stood her up. What an asshole. And then some other dick shows up and it's like, whoa, Jack wasn't the date the whole time. Yeah. Do they do this twist thing every episode? Like my fat heart can only take so much. I really like the music in the show. So while Jack's sitting in the bar, it's uh, Share the Land by Guess Who. It's it's a good mix of indie and lesser heard oldies, and I like it. I like it. That's all I want to say. I okay, like I'm glad you got to say that. So Becca's date is a total tool. Yeah, he I sucks. hate him already. I heard like three words out of his mouth at this point, and I already hated him. <laughs> we cut back to the future past. Jack is getting ready to leave. As he's going to leave, they they chat a little bit, and 
he kind of gives a little bit of a speech about how, you know, their love is you know, going to be great and it's going to last forever. And she's concerned that they're going to fuck up the kids if they have to tell them we're separated for a little bit. This is the time in which that could mess with kids. And he, he's giving a speech about how, you know, sometimes they're going to make good decisions, bad decisions, blah, 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 blah or, but we're going to raise great kids. This is the only time in this whole episode in which we actually see the present where we're seeing his children as adults as th- uh, I'd assume 36 year old adults at this point still where a few things are happening Kate is now living with Toby so they are definitely in in more of a serious relationship it seems like she decides that she wants to sing uh, once she sees a picture of her mother Kevin is headed to an audition for something and says goodbye and I love you to a girl that we have never met And Randall talks to his wife, Beth, about adopting a baby. So that's Mm -hmm. what's going on with them. But that's all we see of them in the present. And after that, we cut back to the past past. Becca leaves her date because this guy's a tool and we all know it. He's like a like a freaking mergers and acquisition finance person. And who wants to talk to those people, honestly? And so she leaves. And says, you know, I have an open mic I could be doing again because it's all she fucking talks about. Jack is getting ready to steal from Ray's bar. The plane is going off without a hitch at this point. And then wouldn't you know it, just as he's about to go behind the bar and steal all that cash, he hears his wonderful future wife up on the stage singing her open mic heart out. And he stops and admires her and the whole plan goes to shit. But he got to meet. Becca, and that's how they meet. They share a glance and a smile. I was hoping the whole time that the title of this episode, which is Moonshadow, was a reference to the Cat Stevens song. And it was like, bam, here's the song. I fucking love this song. Cat Stevens, man. What else would it be a reference to? Like them standing in the shadow of the moon? I don't I don't know. I just you, we were like five minutes left in the episode. I'm like, well, what the hell does this have to do with Moonshadow? And then, <laughs> and then so we're back in the future past. And Jack is explaining why he loves Becca because he had some time to think about it. Jack's not just the kind of person to name things off the dome. He just had to think about it for a second, bitch. And he says he loves the mother that she is, says she's still as beautiful as the day he met her or something along those lines. He says that she laughs with her entire face, which is really awesome for her because he only laughs with half of his mouth. (laughs) She dances funny, which he finds sexy. She's still the same woman who ran out on a blind date to sing because idiot. And then he walks out. End episode. Do you not have a soul, David? Does this not make you think about your own wife and how much you love her and her stupid little idiosyncrasies? Emily, I will beat him up for you. I'm much stronger than he is. I got you. Of course I love my wife. And I tell her that all the time. Well, then how does this scene not touch your heart, man? I guess it touches it a little bit. All right. That's all I want to know. That's all I want to know. (laughs) My heart is fat. I just wanted to hear you say the words, it touched me a little bit. And that's it. I'm into it. Yeah. Not the first time on this podcast or in life. So that was the finale. Not as good overall as the pilot. I think it had some strong points that helped buoy the less than stellar parts. Yeah, I felt it had strong points too, but I do feel like this, other than the little twist, this episode felt much more predictable than the first one. After watching the first episode and being so caught off guard by the twist in that episode, 
I was expecting the season finale of this season to fucking tear out my eyes and fucking <laughs> smash them and shove them up my asshole. Like I was expecting just to be completely blown out of the water. And it's like, oh, he bet all his money at a poker game and she sings at open mics. Cool. Yeah. No, I, I get it. I get it. If we watched the whole season and every episode was like twist after twist after twist. And it was like out of control, crying the whole time. Would this episode have spoken to me more than it did only watching the first and the last? Yeah, probably. But only watching those two episodes and only having those two episodes to reference off of, I was expecting so much more out of this season finale episode than I got. Okay, that's fair. All right. Well, we have uh, we have a good amount of questions here from from Reddit and uh, a couple non redditors. So let's get into those so we can help try to hopefully. Have figured out the middle. Oh, yeah, we know it all. So our first set of questions here is from a Reddit user named Random Fan Person. Fitting. I like it. Why does Rebecca not speak to her mother? She's dead. So in 2016, the present time, based on ages of other characters, she'd have to be somewhere in the 70 to 90 range if she were alive. Now, the life expectancy for females in the U.S. is 78. So quick math tells me that she has a 60% chance of being dead. I'm going to go statistics here. She's dead. Interesting. So I think that because they decided to adopt a black baby in 1980, her mother didn't approve. Ah, okay. I could. I didn't even think of that angle. I, I could see that as well. Yeah. And Becca, sadly, obviously. Yeah. Of, of course, sadly. But and Becca just doesn't doesn't play that way. And neither does Jack. So they just kind of like disowned her. I like it. Yeah. Next question from random fan person. What is the Pearson's favorite team? I think we're both going to get this right. And I think it is because of the terrible towel in the first episode. And I think it's the Steelers. 100% lock it in. But also their favorite team is themselves. They try to hide it by adopting babies, but they're kind of self-indulgent. Mm-hmm. What is Sophie's favorite film? So I was able to piece together from a later question that Sophie is the girl we see say goodbye to Kevin in the finale. Agreed. That we hadn't met in the premiere. Now. I'm thinking something Michael Bay as a movie because the reference Kevin makes in the pilot. I don't know why. It's just that's who is on my mind. And I don't want to miss a thing. So I'm going to go Armageddon, baby. Nice. My answer is the Manny European Vacation. Ooh. The movie adaptation of the Manny TV show that he was on. Okay. Uh, next question. Same user. Where does William die? This one's dark. At Randall's daughter's soccer game. He's there with them watching the soccer game and just dies. Okay, so <laughs> I I have more info than maybe I should. So when looking, well, here, I'm going to explain. How dare you? When looking at accolades for the show, I saw that William and Randall, well, the actors that play them, they were nominated for Emmys for an episode titled Memphis. So logically, I'm going to say Tennessee is where he dies. But where specifically? I'm going to say a fire station. Randall brought it full circle of life and brought him there to die. Oh, were they walking in Memphis? Yep. Sad. What is Randall's main battle with his mental health? Well, for one, dude definitely overcompensates to combat his perceived bad start. So I think a lot of it is just him being torn between letting William in his life versus just buying more fancy shit. I don't know that there's actual disability there. I, I just think he he's torn with, with William. Interesting. So I actually went a different route on this. I think that he gets anxiety in large crowds. The reason I think this is because in the first episode, he they they come in to wish him happy birthday and like a billion people come pouring in his office door. 
and he l- just looks real stressed out about it. His reaction is not like, oh, this is so nice. It's like, oh, God, why are these people here? And that just strikes me as someone who just does not like crowds or being the center of attention. And I think that is, is part of his anxiety. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I, I saw the sense that as well. Um, I didn't notice it any later than that, though. So I, I could see that. I could definitely see it. Yeah. And the next question from same user, what is Jack's main issue? I think Jack's main issue is working too much. I think he pours himself into his business or his work because he has this old fashioned view of what a husband should do for his family. So instead of kind of seeing it as them together and them providing for their family together, and this even comes out more in in the fight that they have later, I think that he has this this old time view that the man needs to fully provide for his family. And he just is constantly working to try and do that. But it can be misconstrued as him not wanting to spend time with his family. Okay, I that's not at all where I thought you were going to go. I I think his main issue is that he talks like he had a mini stroke. But also (laughs) his hair in the 90s was atrocious. Oh, it was atrocious in all the years. But especially the 90s. Especially Uh, the 90s. Alcohol. Alcohol is his main issue. Yeah, they talk about that a little bit, too. I had the same thought. But at the same time, Becca mentioned like, it only happened once or twice. It was only like a, a short period of time in which it was an issue. So I don't know if that's a big one, but I see. Where you're well, going on that one for she sure. says that in the 90s, but there are fucking 20 years of time after that leading up to the 2016 that he could have had more issues. With if alcohol. he's still alive. Well, true. True. We'll talk about that later. That was supposed to be an explosion, but I kind of <laughs> went down the sound. I made the motion next to my head, though, if that means anything. <laughs> But it's not like you were just deflating a pillow. (laughs) Very sad explosion. Who knew about William before Jack? Here's a question I have for you. In this one that is parentheses, Jack slash Rebecca. Does that mean it is one of the two of them or did one who knew about William before Jack and Rebecca knew about William? That's my question. Like, are they asking who out of the two of them knew? Like, is it Jack that knew first or Rebecca knew first or somebody else other than Jack and Rebecca? The way that I'm taking it, who out of the two of them knew first? Uh, That's the way I took it as well. Okay. I think that it's Rebecca who knew first because back in the 90s, she played a show in Philly and William was just a dude begging for change outside of the jazz club and it came out somehow. Hmm, Interesting. That would be an interesting conversation to have. Like, I gave up a black baby at a a firehouse. (laughs) Oh, really? I adopted a black baby that came from a firehouse. What a small world. All right. Well, when you say it like that, I'm probably wrong. <laughs> yeah. No, I said Jack, and I, I honestly didn't really think about as much along the lines of how he found out, but it strikes me as something that Jack would be afraid to share with Randall because he felt that it made him less of a father by introducing Randall to William or even even explaining to Randall that obviously at this point he would have known that he was adopted, but the fact that his father's still alive or anything like that. So I, I feel like Rebecca is a nice enough person that she would have had that conversation with Randall already, which means he wouldn't have been figuring something out in the in the future that we saw. But if Jack had, I think Jack would have kept it to himself. Okay. So the next set of questions is from Reddit user Chaz Lizzie. Uh, First one, which is the first episode in which Sophie appears? What is her story with Kevin? Six, obviously. And she loved him for him, not for just his manny stuff. And 
when he got so so bombarded by people who only loved him for his acting or from being famous someone who actually just loved him for him was was different that's my two cents and obviously episode six so i say episode 10 i'm thinking it is some episode mid-season yeah Natural. Somewhere between 6 and 12. And I think this ties her into a later question that we have as well. But I think she's a director's daughter and she loves the Manny. But they have this complicated relationship because he's deeper than he appears. And he doesn't want to get a job just because her dad's the director, et cetera, et cetera. Hmm. Interesting. More on that later. Yeah. So how did Toby propose to Kate? One second. I'm taking my shirt off because I'm hot. Ooh la la. Not that you need to know, but are you breastfeeding a baby? I'm <laughs> I'm not. Like the Manny. Sad. There's no way that it's some standard way because this is a TV show. So I'm gonna guess it has something to do with their fat support class for their first date, because that would be romantic. So I'm gonna say that he put the ring in a dolphin's blowhole and he had it try to hump her like the guy in the video they watched on their first date. Uh no, I, I think he put it in food or something and then said something romantic like, let's be fat together forever. Oh, man. See, I on the same general wavelength as you here, but in a in an odd, different way. I think he put in a slim fast shake. And here's here's why I think that you're absolutely correct in, in the fact that, you know, the way that they met and their shared experience through trying to lose weight and trying to become healthier people is something that would have been very, uh, very abundant, very strong in their relationship. So I think that him proposing through some kind of dietary supplement or something along those lines is even more of like a I'm committing to us being healthy and losing weight together and being here for you through it. And I feel like this show definitely could have made that very sad and emotional. Definitely. Uh, next question. How did William die? Heart attack. Lung cancer outside a fire station in Memphis. Covered it. Okay. What is the dynamic between Kevin and Randall? How it changed during the season? So I could see Kevin harboring some resentment towards Randall because he's not blood related and he's basically taking the place of his and Kate's real twin. Twins have this weird dick energy like that. I think maybe as he goes through his own struggles throughout the season, though, and he also sees Randall handle everything, you know, with meeting his estranged dad and then him dying shortly after. I can see that maybe changing his his life views uh, and making amends of sorts with Randall after that. Yeah. So same general idea for me too. I, I think that I actually think that they're they're competitive. So I don't know if it, it has to do more with them uh, one being adopted and not. I just think like two boys who are of the same age and were raised together aren't naturally going to be competitive, and they're both relatively successful. So I could see that competitive nature coming out for the two of them and them trying to best the other in being a successful and having a good life. I think that what what ends up happening is they actually can can get angry at each other because of that competitiveness, but come together when both of them go through difficult things, just like you said. Sure. Uh, next question. How does the Pearson family remember Jack? This is telling. I think that they probably remember him as loving, but difficult, but rather distant and, and never being home. Distance, I think, is uh, emotional. It, it seems like... He has trouble expressing his emotions to his family uh, and to his wife. So he turned to alcohol and kind of bottled it all up until it all kind of came to a head. And I think also distant in the fact that he isn't home a lot because he's constantly working. I took this in a different way. I, 
I thought it meant like how do they remember him? Like what do they use as a as a memory point? Oh, I doubt that's what it means. Well, number one, though, I I, I think this. Well, I mean, obviously, this implies that he's dead in the present. Mm, interesting, but which sort of skews something I thought I knew about the show. More on that later, but. I think they remember him through the 1967 Chevelle, and they keep it as a shrine in the garage. Interesting. Hmm. So the next set of questions are from CD Gal 38382. Keeping them CD alive. I like it. Yeah, baby. Which <laughs> character is bisexual? Kevin. Next question. Yeah, I'm going Kevin, too. Like, there's a shot in the finale with a weird angle where you see one of the kids' rooms for a split second, and there's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer poster on the wall. That could only be Kevin's, and only bisexuals watch that. Sarah Michelle Geller's hot, but go on. I, I see now that my logic is flawed, but I'm still going to go Kevin on this. Yeah. It's Kevin. I agree with you. Who is finally allowed to participate in a Pearson family tradition? I bet this relates to the following question, too, which I'll expand on further, but I think that William gets to ride in the 1967 Chevelle for a road trip. Oh, interesting. I think that it's Toby and he couldn't participate in it until he was accepted in the family. And it was when that he proposed to Kate that he became kind of part of the family. And I don't know what the tradition is, but I think it's Toby. Birthday sex? I don't know. Yeah. Oh, he does mention that that's the thing. Okay, maybe. I like it. Next question. Where do William and Randall go on a road trip? Based on your information, it's probably Memphis, but I think they go on a road trip to where Randall's mother is buried, and maybe that's Memphis. You think she's buried? I don't think she's buried anywhere. She died in the street like a stray dog. <laughs> you would hope that that person would still get, you know, have a funeral, but maybe not. You're right. Uh, I don't know. Well, anyway, I, I do think it was obviously somewhere emotional that William had always wanted to take his son, like a baseball game or something cliche. But I was also thinking, like, area. what do I know about that area? William lived in Philly. About an hour and a half north of Philly in Bangor, Pennsylvania, is the Colum Seal Megalith Park. My wife and I went there once on a road trip. It's fucking beautiful. It's just a park full of cool-ass man-made rock formations. I don't know why they would go there, but it's really cool. If you're ever in Bangor, Pennsylvania, go to the Colium Seal Megalith Park. You're an onion. Yep. You have layers. <laughs> That's a Shrek reference. What a great movie. <laughs> Who offered Kevin a movie role because his or her daughters love the Manny? So this relates back to Sophie for me. Michael Bay offers him a role because of their past work and because his daughter, Sophie Bay, loves him from Manny. Nailed it. Does Michael Bay actually have a daughter named Sophie Bay? No. Well, I don't know, though. I don't know. I haven't looked. <laughs> I'll, let me look right now. I'll you do your talking and I'll look. Yeah. So I looked up what, uh, you know, what directors, producers have kids that would be of the age that I feel like would appreciate the Manny. And I think it's Tina Fey. And I think that she reaches out to him for Mean Girls 3. Well, I'll tell you this. Michael Bay does not have a daughter named Sophie. But. <laughs> This is a TV show, so yeah. Oh yeah, you can play fast might. and loose. Yeah, yeah like yeah, Mean yeah. Girls three probably is going to happen, but it did in this world. In my in my mind, exactly. Get your shit together, fucking Lindsay Lohan. Come on, <laughs> please. We also got a question from longtime fan and supporter and wonderful human K and number one season one question asker. Yes, Kay. Kay is back at it again. Her question is: I've never seen an episode, but how do you feel about crockpots? Absolute death traps. Here is my favorite crockpot recipe. So you layer the following ingredients. A bag of frozen tater tots, bacon bits, raw boneless chicken breast cut into chunks and seasoned however you want. 
a bag of shredded cheddar cheese, and then you pour three quarters of a cup of milk over the top, and you cook that shit for like four to six hours. It is a fat kid casserole. It's delicious. It says a lot about me as a person that that's the type of food that I eat, but it's good. Also, I know that Milo dies from an old crock pot burning down a house or some shit. So in that sense, I hate him. Yep. Cool. Good talk. Last question is from Charlene, another friend of the show. And Charlene asks, what was Randall's original name? So I got Kyle on this one. Now, they wanted to pick a K name to go with Kevin and Kate. Kyle was the third most popular boy name, starting with a K in the 70s. And it was the second most in the 80s after Kevin. But when they realized that the kids' initials would be KKK, that is not a good look ever, especially not when the third kid is a cute little black boy. So they changed it from Kyle to Randall. Oh, see, I took this as what was the name that his father gave him before he dropped him off at the fire station. No way that he had actually given him a real name. He was pooping in his pants and he was like, he didn't even care about him. No, I think it was William. I think he was going to make him a junior, but then couldn't take care of him. So dropped him off at the fire station. Bill Jr. I hate it. Pooped pants and all. Okay, maybe. I guess we'll never know. And that is all of our questions. I feel like I know the middle. Yeah, I think we got it all nailed down. I don't think there's anything else that happens. If you were paying attention to our social media, Instagram or Facebooks, um, you would have noticed that part of our season two offering this year is going to be to offer ratings of what we think about a show based on the beginning and end of it. So we're going to be doing that every episode. And we're going to take a little time here after the questions to explain why we gave it the rating we did. If you want that rating in advance of this episode, Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Facebook. We give that rating before this episode drops, so you'll have an idea of what to expect. Yeah. You'll know how much we like it or hate it. Based on that, what do you think your rating is for season one of This Is Us? All of our ratings are going to be based out of seven. Mm. I give six out of seven tiers. That's too strong for my blood. If we're looking at both episodes wholly, I'm going to say four out of seven. Okay, so I i mean, the way that I looked at it, I gave episode one, seven out of seven. I gave episode the finale four to five out of seven, and uh, I just rounded up an average there to six. Yeah, I can get that. I I think the finale spoiled enough of the intro for me that that a four out of seven felt just felt right. It was it was above average, above 50 percent. But, you know, based on these two episodes for me, not something to write home about, you know, well. I'm going to go watch the middle, bitch. Fine. Do that. I will send you a package of Kleenex. So that was This Is Us. Dave, what are we doing episode two of season two? Dropping two days before Christmas, December 23rd. As you know, we love ourselves from Christmas. So we are going to be watching Bad Santa. Never seen it. Don't know anything about it. Neither. I just know that I think the Bad Santa is Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, boy. I'm ready. Well, we'll find out. Two days before Christmas. Yeah. And like we said earlier, hit us up on all our stuff. Go hit up Instagram. Hit up Facebook. Hit up Twitter. It's the Center Cut Cast everywhere. Please do. And if you have any questions or feedback, send that to thecentercutcast at gmail.com. We're always happy to get emails just like I like mail. I like email. So please do it. And a couple housekeeping things here. A little while back now, we were on an episode of Whack Brackets. Go check that out. We talked about 80s bands, and there's actually another upcoming episode on Whack Brackets where we cover tech companies. Go check that out. 
And we're also recording in a few days an episode with Damn Fine TV on our best TV of 2020. Ooh. So get, go check those ladies out. We'll be on there and keep your eyes peeled, lovers. Yeah. And if you're a new listener, go check out our back catalog. We have a whole first season full of fun shit. Uh, we capped it off with Golden Gorilla Penis Award Show, where mm. we talked about some mm. of our favorites from the first season. So first annual. go check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It was a great time. And we appreciate you for stopping in for the season two opener here and we promise that the whole season will be good unlike this is us i think that does it like the moments of clarity between my uncontrollable sobbing it's always better in the center (laughs) 